What's going on, guys? Coach Jay here from the Strength Matrix Podcast. I just wanted to take a quick second to apologize for any audio disturbances that you may hear during this podcast episode. Uh, they're actually doing some roofing construction above our apartment complex, and I think the mic might have picked up some of their tools and some of the other stuff that they're doing right above my head. So um, I do apologize for that. Hopefully it doesn't deter you from listening to all the value and all the content that's uh, in this episode. Um, so I appreciate you guys bearing with me and I do apologize without further ado. Let's dive into the episode. Welcome to the strength matrix podcast. My name is Josh Setledge. I'm the BJJ strength coach. This is episode six, where we're going to be talking about the secrets to getting more explosive on the mat for jujitsu and wrestling and why using the dynamic effort method will help you become faster, stronger, and more explosive in every single thing you do on the mat. And then we're gonna follow things up with how you can begin incorporating the dynamic effort method into your own jujitsu and wrestling strength and conditioning training. Before we get too deep into the episode, I do wanna let you know that this episode, just like every other episode, is brought to you by thestrengthmatrix.com. Strengthmatrix.com is your one-stop shop, your central hub for everything that you need in regards to getting faster, stronger, more explosive, and more powerful in order to enhance your performance on the mat for wrestling and jujitsu. If you've ever done jujitsu or wrestling and realized like, dang, I need to get freaking strong really quick because I'm tired of getting smashed, the Strength Matrix is here to help. There are over five different world-class training programs that were all uniquely designed to meet the needs of wrestling and jiu-jitsu athletes and they are sponsoring this episode and are plugging you guys with a free four-week strength program that's going to give you a sneak peek at what the strength matrix has to offer if that's something you're interested in and you're down to test things out a little bit follow a simple yet highly effective four-week strength program specifically for jiu-jitsu and wrestling i highly suggest you click the link in the description below Thousands of people across the world have tried this free four-week strength program and have seen some absolutely unreal results. There are actual athletes that have used this free four-week strength program in their jiu-jitsu competition prep and ended up just completely smashing their bracket and winning all their matches by submission. It's insane how many people have been benefited uh, and have made some insane progress by just following this simple yet highly effective free four-week strength program. So if that's something you're interested in and you're down to clown, you can click the link in the description below this podcast episode. Now, without further ado, let's go and dive right into it. What is the dynamic effort method and why using the dynamic effort method can help you get explosive for any sport but in this case, wrestling and jujitsu. So this is episode six. In episode five, we talked about the max effort method and the dynamic effort method is kind of like the not so twin brother of the max effort method. Uh, they are brothers, they're just not twins. So, but the dynamic effort method was originally part of the conjugate system that was popularized by the strength and conditioning coaches of the Soviet Union. These strength and conditioning coaches worked with a lot of Olympic sport athletes and a lot of Olympic weightlifters, and they used the dynamic effort method to focus on improving the explosive power and speed and overall strength of all of their athletes. Now, the classic and traditional dynamic effort method as it was used by those strength coaches in the Soviet Union is essentially training that takes place between 50 and 75% of your one rep max on a given exercise with the goals of stimulating the body to make positive adaptations in force production, moving sub-maximal loads at maximum speed, 
improving your rate of force development and using a lower training intensity with a higher training volume to achieve massive positive results. The dynamic effort method focuses on the acceleration side of the force equation. And so if you listen to episode five, we spent a lot talking about the force equation. Force is basically the expression of strength. When you look at an athlete that is really strong, you're like, dang, every time I roll with that guy, that guy's really freaking strong. That athlete, if he's stronger than you, has a better capacity and a better ability to produce force whenever he wants. If you feel like every time you try to pass his guard, he frames and his frames are just impossible to clear. Every time he grabs your wrist, he has a, just an absolute gorilla vice grip on your wrist and you can't get out, out of his wrist control. He does, has a really great ability to produce force to control you and um, use that as an expression of strength. Now, force is also used as an expression of speed and explosiveness. So if you think about someone who's really fast, like Usain Bolt, Usain Bolt produces an absolutely unreal amount of force to be able to move that fast down the track. You think about a rocket ship versus a car. Some cars can go really fast and they can produce a lot of force to help them go fast but you look at a rocket ship and just how much more force is being exploded out the back end of that rocket ship it allows the rocket ship to produce so much more force that it actually allows them to move faster throughout space so when we look at the force equation force is mass times acceleration we talked about in episode five when we, where we broke down the max effort method that the max effort method focuses on the mass side of the force equation. The max effort method improves your ability to move mass and move heavy loads. The dynamic effort method, on the other hand, is focusing on the other part of that force equation, which is to improve your ability to accelerate, to improve uh, your ability to progressively and exponentially begin to move even faster. And so when we're talking about the balance of the max effort method and the dynamic effort method, and as it pertains to improving sport performance, we can't just max out all the time and train super heavy all the time. If we really want to get stronger, if we really want to improve our ability to produce force on the mat, whether that's force in a takedown, force in a guard pass, force in a sweep, force in applying a submission, we eventually have to focus on the other part of the force equation, which is improving our speed, improving our acceleration, improving our ability to be explosive and fast. And so how does the dynamic effort method actually help you get explosive? Well, it allows you to use a sub-maximal weight. Again, we talked about 50 to 75% of your one rep max. It allows you to use a sub-maximal weight with the focus to move that weight as fast as freaking possible. If you want to be fast, you eventually need to train fast. Um, if you get stronger, if you're an athlete that has never trained before and you spend a little bit of time getting stronger, like all you do is just lift heavy, uh, you're, you're going to get a little bit faster because you're going to prove your ability to produce force into the ground. But that's just going to be part of those newbie gains at the beginning. And eventually, if you want to get even faster, you need to start training fast. And so one of the best ways to do that is to use a sub-maximal weight and move that weight as fast as freaking possible. You can get a lot of reps in over the course of dynamic effort work in a training session. And this is very beneficial because this allows you to refine proper technique 
increase training volume as well as improve your repeated sprint ability and conditioning. So we're going to break down kind of how you would format dynamic effort training later in this episode. So we're going to put a pin in that for now and we'll circle back to it in a little bit. But another way that the dynamic effort method actually helps you get explosive is that the rotation of exercises when used in the conjugate system, it can allow you to develop maximal speed and explosiveness throughout different ranges of motion. So uh, you could focus on building the explosiveness of your upper body. And on some other training sessions, you can focus on developing speed and explosiveness moving from side to side for your lower body. And so why is the dynamic effort method so beneficial for jujitsu and wrestling? Well, the dynamic effort method helps improve your rate of force development by using a lower intensity training load at a higher volume. And so rate of force development or RFD stands uh, basically refers to your ability to produce force quickly. At what rate can you produce a maximum amount of force? So if it takes you, uh, cars I think is a great example for this. If it takes you three seconds to go from zero to 60, that's kind of your standard of rate of force development. And you have a car that can go from zero to 60 in one second, the rate of force development on that car that can go from zero to 60 in only a single second is going to be much greater than the car that can go to zero to 60 in three seconds. And so when we're talking about our rate of force development, the athlete that can you know, in this example, go from zero to 60 in one second on a takedown is always going to outperform the athlete that can go from zero to 60 on a takedown in three seconds. And the dynamic effort method is a great tool that you can use to improve your rate of force development. Like we've talked about already, this training does happen at a much lower training intensity. So we're using weights that are a lot uh, less then just kind of a fraction of our one rep max because we're using a lower training intensity that allows us to use a higher training volume so we can do more sets, more reps for our dynamic effort work compared to our max effort work. Traditionally, dynamic effort work happens in about six to 15 sets for about one to five reps per set. We're gonna break down how you would determine how many sets you need and how many reps you need to do per set later in the episode, but Let's just understand that compared to max effort work where we're only doing, we're just working up to one set of a heavy single rep or a heavy set of three, this is very different because we're actually gonna be doing multiple sets, six, eight, 10, 12, sometimes even 15 sets for dynamic effort work. And we're not just gonna do singles, we're gonna do anywhere from one to five reps per set. When you're moving these sub-maximal weights at maximal speed, it will actually allow you to improve your ability to produce a massive amount of force in a very short period of time, which again, it's talking about our rate of force development. This is important for things like takedowns, guard passes, sweeps, scrambles, all of that stuff. And then when we're rotating exercise, when we use the dynamic effort method within the conjugate system, it'll allow us to work around training injuries sustained on the mat, as well as focus on specific areas we want to improve our explosive strength. So maybe someone is super explosive when they're running in a perfectly straight line. So if they're gonna do a blast double, they're really explosive. But when it comes to their ability to scramble and pass someone's guard where they need to move laterally or side to side, maybe they're not as explosive. And so we can rotate different exercises and rotate uh, different 
uh, rep schemes and different parameters around our dynamic effort work so that we can specifically highlight and improve an athlete's ability to move from side to side in a very fast and explosive manner. On top of that, because we can rotate all these different exercises in, there's so many great ways and so many different things that you could use for your dynamic effort work. We can work around a lot of injuries. If someone has you know, a little bit of a knee injury and they can't do dynamic effort squats, that's okay because we can do dynamic effort deadlifts. We can do dynamic effort jumps. We can do dynamic effort uh, sled drags or sprinting with a sled or pushing a prowler, things like that. And so how would we use the dynamic effort method for jujitsu? And so I'm gonna give you guys some insight on how I currently use the dynamic effort method to help all of the jujitsu athletes that I work with around the world. Like I mentioned in episode five, I do follow a condensed conjugate training model that pulls from the traditional Westside barbell method of training. Those of you that didn't listen to episode five, the conjugate system was originated in the Soviet Union by those Soviet Union strength coaches. Louis Simmons was able to learn from them, tweak some things a little bit, and create a, a new version uh, or a, um, a new and improved version, if you will, of the conjugate method and apply it for powerlifting. And that's what he used with his athletes at his gym at Westside Barbell. Many of my mentors have trained and worked and studied under Louis at Westside Barbell, like Phil DeRue, Mark Bell, Jesse Burdick. And so I've been able to learn from them, take what I've learned from them, and can, and uh, build a training program for jiu-jitsu athletes that is a little bit different than the traditional training model that did, that they do at Westside Barbell and fits into a better mold for jiu-jitsu athletes. That being said, I still use the dynamic effort method in regards to training with sub-maximal uh, sub loads and moving them at maximal speed. However, we use a variety of training percentages and training intensities, and this can be a little bit of a dicey subject because um, regardless of who, you, of who you ask, if you ask 10 people, what percentage should I do my dynamic effort work at? you're probably gonna get 10 different answers. It's hard to find a concise answer on exactly what exact percentage do we need to use to get the best amount of results for dynamic effort work. Some people are gonna say 50%, some people are gonna say 75%, some people are gonna say 60, 65, 69%. There's, people would say all sorts of stuff. However, the goal for dynamic effort work is to move the loads at a speed equal or faster than one meter per second basically one meter per uh, per second looks like a jump if you were to jump up on a box you can't jump slow because <laughs> if you jump slow you're not actually going to jump you're just not going to jump at all you'll stay connected to the ground and so you want everything that you do for your dynamic effort work to look as fast as a jump so when you do your dynamic effort squat it should look like as fast as the way you would jump up on a box if you do dynamic effort deadlift it should look like the same speed of which you would jump up on a box. Same thing with the upper body. If you're gonna do a clapping push-up where you're gonna push up off the ground so hard that you're gonna get a little bit of air time, clap your hands at the top and then come back down, your dynamic effort work for the upper body should look as fast as a clapping push-up. That is what is important. So the way I use dynamic effort work for a lot of my athletes is we don't always have a specific training percentage where it's like, hey, you know, you over here, 
your one rep max is this. I want you to take 65% of that one rep max and you're gonna do six sets of three reps. Sometimes we'll do that, but a lot of times we won't. We'll just work up to a weight that says like, hey, that is as fast as it needs to be. Let's try to, if we can add a little bit more weight and maintain that speed, we will. But if at any point the weight, the uh, exercise starts to slow down a little bit, we're gonna decrease the weight that way. Every athlete that's doing every single rep for their dynamic effort work as moving equal to or faster than one meter per second. We use a variety of rep schemes, but the goal is to make sure that no matter how many reps we're doing per set, every rep is just as fast as the first one. So that's a lot of reason why we do so many sets and the reps kind of stay a little bit lower is because it's hard to keep that same level of, that same rate of force development, that same level of explosiveness, the deeper we get into a set. So for example, for squats, we'll perform five sets of five reps and most of us can handle staying as explosive as we were on rep one and maintain that all the way through to rep five. For bench press, we'll start things out with doing several sets of three reps just to get started. And then as athletes get in better shape, sometimes we'll have them do uh, sets of five where they can maintain that explosiveness for five solid reps. If at any point where they do like, okay, first rep's looking fast, second rep's looking fast, third rep's looking fast, fourth rep, that was actually kind of slow, we'll call it right there. And we'll just say like, you know what, your set's done. We only want to do sets that are, and sets and reps that are super fast and super explosive. We need to either decrease the weight a little bit for this individual, or we need to decrease the amount of reps because when they get over three reps, they tend to slow down and then we're not training the the uh, particular adaptation that we want to make. So the way we format it is for squats, we do five sets of five reps. For bench press, we do six sets of three to five reps per set. And that depends on the goals of the training phase. And then for deadlifts, we'll mostly perform single repetitions or cluster sets of singles. And a cluster set is basically a set that you break up into two parts. So say someone is going to say, hey, you need to do five sets of two reps on deadlifts. And so what we'll do is we'll take like, okay, that's five sets of two reps. Awesome. But we'll do cluster sets. So we'll do five clusters of two reps, which means you're going to do one rep of deadlifts. You're going to rest about 20 seconds, and then you're going to get reset again, and then perform that second rep. So you're just adding a little bit of a small break between the two reps. And the reason why we do this is because uh, it's important that as athletes are doing their dynamic effort work, they're also using that as an opportunity for them to reinforce proper training technique and reinforce their ability to have uh, just really dialed in form when they're doing each exercise. And so that's why we take singles on deadlifts. So that way, if they're doing six sets of one rep, they get six first repetitions. If we're doing six reps of two reps, they get 12 first repetitions because we're gonna break those up into clusters. And again, the goal is to have every single rep be as fast as possible. When we're progressing these things, we're going to use a three-week pendulum wave, which is something I picked up uh, from Louis Simmons and Westside Barbell. This is pretty common for a lot of uh, people who use the dynamic effort method. But we're going to use a three-week pendulum wave. So this means that we will use the same exercise for three weeks and either increase the reps per set the total number of sets or the load on the exercise for three weeks. So week one, 
we do six sets of three. Week two, we're gonna increase the reps and go six sets of four. Week three, we're gonna increase the reps one last time and do six sets of five. That's one way of doing it. You could increase the total number of sets. So week one is six sets of three. Week two is eight sets of three. Week three is gonna be 10 sets of three. Or you can increase the load. So say it's uh, six sets of three at 95 pounds. Week two, six sets of three at 115 pounds. Six sets of three, then the third week at 125 pounds. So those are kind of a few different ways that you could progress through a three-week pendulum wave. After you hit that third week, we will either swap out the exercise for a new one and perform another three-week pendulum wave with a new exercise, or we'll make one, one small change to the exercise that we already did and progress another round through that three-week pendulum wave. So say we did a three-week pendulum wave of bench press, where you know first week, first week we did six sets of three, week two, six sets of four, week three, six sets of five reps. Instead of swapping out, the, we might swap out the bench press, but we don't always do that. We can either swap out the bench press or we can keep the bench press and just change things up a little bit. So for the next three week pendulum wave, if we're keeping the bench press, we'll do six sets of three, but instead of increasing reps, we're just gonna add a little bit of weight to the bar each time all the way up through those three weeks. And then again, reset the pendulum at the end of those three weeks. We select dynamic effort exercise variations based on the goals of the training phase and the weak points of each athlete. So kind of like what I mentioned earlier, if an athlete is really explosive running in a straight line, but they're not that explosive or stable when they're jumping from side to side, we may select exercises that are going to specifically highlight and improve that ability of the athlete. That way we could focus on bringing up those weak points. And that's what's great about the dynamic effort method is that there are so many different ways you could do your dynamic effort work that you could really highlight and get really specific on what weaknesses you want to improve in your athletic development. When choosing dynamic effort exercises, it is important to use big compound and or functional lifts. That word functional makes me cringe a little bit, but I think you guys understand what I'm saying and or functional lifts that recruit a large amount of muscle mass and neural drive. For example, a dynamic effort lower variation that you could do is uh, dynamic effort box squats. That's going to be much better than trying to do dynamic effort leg extensions. So again, same thing kind of what we talked about in episode five is we want to make sure that we're doing these big compound lifts and we're doing these big explosive movements that recruit a lot of different muscle groups and, um, use a lot of neural drive which or a stimulation of the central nervous system if you're trying to do a dynamic effort bicep curl and that's not gonna it's not gonna stimulate your central nervous system really at all and it's not i mean you yeah you may move fast but we want to get the entire body fast and explosive we don't just want to improve the ability of your uh, bicep curl. So doing something like a dynamic effort uh, medicine ball throw or doing a some sort of kettlebell swing or kettlebell snatch or kettlebell clean, those would be much better exercises suited for dynamic effort work. We select uh, dynamic effort variations based on the goals of the training phase and the weak points of each athlete. There's so many different ways that you could 
mix in different exercises and different training tools for dynamic effort work. So you could do things like uh, plyometrics, so jump training. You could use medicine balls. You could do barbells and do Olympic weightlifting. If you're not proficient in Olympic weightlifting, you could use a landmine. You could use kettlebells. I'm actually a really big fan of using kettlebells for uh, dynamic effort work. And since we're talking about a big piece of the conjugate system, we should also mention accommodating resistance, which most commonly is bands and chains. And for dynamic effort work, using accommodating resistance is amazing. And it's if you're an athlete who's kind of at that intermediate level where you've been lifting weights consistently with proper technique for about two to three years, you could probably... Uh, safely start to incorporate some accommodating resistance into your training and make some impressive gains and uh, becoming more powerful and more explosive. And accommodating resistance, essentially what it is, is it gives you a way to overload the strength curve. We talked about this in episode five. If you haven't listened to episode five just yet, I would suggest going back, listening to episode five, where we talk a little bit about the strength curve. But just to quickly review, essentially accommodating resistance allows you to take some of the weight off or take some of the resistance off whatever exercise you're doing at the hardest part of that exercise and then starts to increase the amount of resistance uh, as you get closer to the easiest part of the exercise. So for example, if you're doing a bench press, the bench press is easiest at the very top, right? You can hold a ton of weight at the top. The hardest part is going to be pressing right off your chest. Using accommodating resistance will allow you to take some of the weight off or take some of the resistance off at the bottom when it's on your chest and increase the amount of weight as you get closer to that lockout or that top position. This is awesome because this forces you to continue to apply an insane amount of force all the way through the sticking point, all the way through that part where the bar or the exercise that you're doing starts to slow down. You have to be fast and explosive all the way through to securely finish that rep of the exercise. And that could be a great way to increase your overall explosiveness and your explosive power. Oftentimes with new athletes, I'll have them perform three to six training phases of dynamic effort work with just straight weight, no accommodated resistance. And then after about three to six training phases, then I'll consider adding some accommodated resistance to them. Accommodated resistance is pretty tricky. And if you're not used to it, um, it can leave you pretty sore and pretty fatigued afterwards. So build a strong base of using just straight weight, no bands, no chains for a while, and then start to incorporate some very light accommodated resistance after that. Uh, to improve our conditioning and our general physical preparedness, we'll also use dynamic effort work. And this is great because it highly improves our repeated sprint ability. So what we'll do is we'll use an EMOM style training method where we're doing a set every minute on the minute. So say we're doing dynamic effort deadlifts, right? And we're doing 10 sets of one rep. What we'll do is at the start of every single minute, we're hitting that one rep. So whether you're fully recovered or not at the top of that next minute, you have to hurry up and get ready to be as explosive as freaking possible rest, catch your breath, but you have you have less than a minute because at the time the next minute starts, boom, you have to step up to the bar and be explosive again. And so this is a great way that you can improve not just your conditioning, your overall ability to handle a high amount of training in a very short period of time. It also improves your ability to 
uh, just it improves your general physical preparedness, which is also very important, which I'll probably do many more episodes talking about general physical preparedness or GPP in the future. But here's the big thing. It improves your repeated sprint ability. When you're in a jujitsu match or you're in a wrestling match, you can't just do one explosive movement and call it a day. You have to do multiple explosive movements and you have to do multiple explosive movements when you're fatigued. There might be a time where the score is tied and all the only thing that's gonna win this match is if you are able to scramble to a back take or you're able to take your opponent down. You need to be able to have the repeated sprint ability to con- like hit a sprint, hit some sort of explosive movement, recover very quickly, and then do it again. Recover very quickly, and then do it again. Because if you don't, all your opponent has to do is just defend the first one, right? They just have to defend that first sprint, that first explosive movement, and then you lost your ability to do it again. They can just ride the clock out, walk on home with the gold medal. That being said, dynamic effort work is crucial and one of the key components to improving your overall repeated sprint ability and so that's why we perform all of our sets every minute on the minute to help improve that overall repeated sprint ability and then during the dynamic effort portion of our training sessions we will also pair some traditional dyamic effort exercises with some sort of plyometric jump or med ball throw so something i like to do is maybe we'll be doing some dynamic effort bench press as soon as someone's done hitting a set of dynamic ever bench press they'll walk over to the medicine balls and they'll do like three medicine ball slams or maybe they'll grab a partner and they'll do three medicine ball passes back and forth so just to review the dynamic effort method one of the best ways that you can develop explosive power for sports specifically wrestling and jujitsu Uh, Like we said, the dynamic effort method was originally part of the conjugate system that was popularized by the strength coaches in the Soviet Union. It's training that takes place between 50 and around 75% of your one rep max, but the goals of stimulating the body to make positive adaptations and force production. Uh, It focuses on moving sub-maximal loads at maximum speed. It helps improve your rate of force development, and it allows you to use a lower training load at a higher training volume, aka a few more sets, a few more reps, to achieve massive positive results. And the, the dynamic effort method focuses on the acceleration side of the force equation. Thank you guys so much for watching. My name is Josh Selledge. I am the BJJ Strength Coach. I really appreciate you guys tuning in to this episode of the Strength Matrix Podcast. It would mean a lot to me, guys, if you found this episode valuable, that you would share it with a training partner, you would share it with a friend, share it on social media if you'd like. Um, I'm really fired up to kind of continue podcasting through um, the next several months and hopefully through to the end of the year. I've been having a ton of fun with this and I love talking about this stuff. And if you have found this valuable, um, I'm sure someone else may find it valuable and I'd appreciate it if you could share it with them. That being said, this episode, just like every other episode, is brought to you by thestrengthmatrix.com. As you guys already know, the Strength Matrix is offering a free four-week strength program that's that's simple yet massively effective in helping you get stronger and more powerful and more explosive for wrestling and jiu-jitsu. And if that's something you're interested in, just downloading that 
uh, free four-week strength program, all you have to do is just click the link in the description below on this podcast episode. You'll be able to download that, be on your way, start getting strong, start smashing brackets, start winning more matches and getting injured less. So thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Josh Selledge. You can follow me on Instagram at Joshua Selledge. That's J-O-S-H-U-A-S-E-T-T-L-A-G-E. And I'll catch you guys later. Peace.